Well, what a great prayer. Prayer of worship as we come into this time of preaching and teaching and learning. Take your Bibles and uh, let's go over to the book of Colossians, chapter 4. And uh, if the Lord tarries, if we have time, I'm going to finish up this series today, which means you may be here till about 6 o'clock tonight, but... Uh, we're going to be in chapter 4, verses 2 through 18. I want to talk to you about faithfulness today. This entire series of the book of Colossians is about us becoming complete in Christ, that He is supreme and that He is sufficient. And we agree with that this morning, I believe. For the most part, everyone in this room today would agree that Christ is the supreme and the only sufficient one. This book is all about the Christology the study of Christ as Lord and study of Christ as Savior. So it's, it's appropriate, obviously, the way Paul wraps up this book that we talk about faithfulness. And we'll not only see faithfulness of the Lord, but we'll see faithfulness to the Lord today. So if you've got your Bibles, you can follow along with me. Let me, uh, let me just read the first two, verses 2 through 6. We're going to take a break, and then we'll come back and pick up the last part in the second half of the message today. Verse 2 says, Devote yourself to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should. Verse 5, Act wisely towards outsiders making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. I want to stop right there for a moment, okay? And let's, let's unpack this idea of faithfulness as we move through this text this morning. Uh, the idea, the word faithful has the meaning behind it of being trustworthy, of being loyal, uh, Webster's Dictionary will tell you that it's steadfast in action or allegiance. Makes sense, doesn't it? How many of you have ever found the Lord to be faithful in your life? Well, absolutely. That is the very character of the nature of our Lord and Savior. He said, I, wherever you go, I'll go with you. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You go through the Psalms and you find the psalmist over and over and over again talking about the steadfast love of the Lord that has no end. Christ said, I'm the beginning and the end of whom there's no shadow of turning. I mean, there's not even a hint of him turning a different way away from us. God is faithful, and yet we have to be faithful to him. Now, here's what I love about this. In order to be faithful... You have to have faith. That means you have to put your trust, your belief, your confidence in Christ. Hebrews 11.1, 1, you familiar with this verse? Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for, and it's the assurance of what we do not see. I have absolute faith that I will see heaven one day and I'll see my Lord and Savior I want him to say to me, well done. I don't know that I'll hear it, but I want to. That's my faith. I believe that. But while I can't see it with my eye yet today, I have full assurance, as sure as I'm looking at you today, 
that that's going to be a reality. I'll ask people every now and then, if you died today, where would you go? And the most common response I get is, well, I, I hope I'd go to heaven. And folks, I hope that today we don't have a hope-so salvation. We have a no-so salvation. If God did all the work, God does all the keeping. Therefore, we remain faithful to the one who is faithful. Does that make sense to you today? So faithfulness is important at the very get-go of this. But I think it's one thing to believe in him. I think it's something different to be faithful to him. Lots of people believe in him. And a lot more people are not faithful to him. Well, one of the most interesting verses to me in all the scriptures comes out of the book of James. It says the devils believe the exact same thing that we believe and they tremble. It means everything that you believe about God, who he is and what he's done, they believe the exact same thing. Everything you believe about his supremacy and his sufficiency, the devils believe the exact same thing and they tremble in the reality of his greatness and of his faithfulness and of his love and of his justice. And you know what we do sometimes? We look at the love of God, and we look at the faithfulness of God, and we look at the compassion of God, and we kind of go, thank you very much. I think I deserve that. Oh, that God would break our heart towards that. Don't, don't you want that? The Lord, would you would just tender my heart so that I can be faithful where you're calling me to be faithful. I don't want to just believe in you. I want to be faithful to you. And here's one of the things I love about the passage we'll look at today. The Lord uses ordinary people just like you and I, just common people like you and I to do extraordinary work in the world. You don't have to be a superstar of the faith. You just have to be faithful. Could you be faithful today? You know what my struggle is. I wake up early in the morning and I'm ready to be faithful for the day. And by the time I get two cups of coffee down me, I've already fallen off the wagon. And I'm having to re-up through the day. Am I the only one in the room that does that? It's a struggle sometimes, isn't it? I love to study church history. And when you go back and you look at the centuries that the church has been in place, you'll find that a large part of the movement of Christ has been done by unsung heroes. People of whom you'll never know their name. They've never had a, a building or a book or anything else named after them. They simply have been faithful to Christ as they go. Now, when we get to this last section, and maybe you've already read ahead, and you read verses 7 through 18, and you see these 10 names of people that Paul is listing. I read that the other day, and I thought, that looks like his Facebook or Instagram account. He's just rattling off everyone that he's familiar with. But I also recognize when he lists 10 names like this, that Paul's a team player. We had Connect Sunday here six weeks ago or so, four weeks ago. Why do we do Connect Sunday? Why do we have Connect groups? Why do we want you to be a part of this body? Because we're better together. We're stronger together. We're strengthened together. And listen to this, we can be more faithful together. Moses and the children of Israel were in the heat of the battle. Do you remember the story? And he went up on top of the mountain. And as long as he had his hands in the air, the Israelites were winning. And as soon as his arms dropped, they began to lose. 
And Aaron and Hur came along both sides of Moses and held up his arms. You and I need an Aaron and a Hur to hold up our arms in the heat of battle to stay faithful. Do you have such a person? Are you such a person? And I'm going to submit to you and I today, for us to really be faithful in Christ, we not only have to be those that hold up the arms, but we have to be the one who's holding up arms. We have to have people around us serve and be served in this capacity. So this is where we are today. Can I dive into this with you? The, the outline is so simple, but I wish you could see my Bible and my notes. It, it's marked up. It looks like one of my tests that an old professor had graded where I didn't do very good because I've got lines going everywhere. I want you to see the very first thing about being faithful is faithful in action. Faithful in action. Now I want to tie two verses together. I want you to look at your Bibles and if you've got your hand out, you can follow along there. Look at what verse two says. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. Jump down to verse five. Act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of time. So you stop right there. And now Paul is writing to us as he's wrapping up this letter of Colossians and he's told them about the new clothes they should put on and the new identity that they have and the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ and all of these things that we've talked about. He's starting to wrap it back up and he says this, devote yourselves to prayer, stay alert, do it with thanksgiving, ties back verse five, act wisely toward the outsiders and learn to make the most of the time. And what he's calling them to do is to be faithful in action. Matter of fact, if you look in your Bibles, it's easier probably to do it there, maybe on your handout as well, but you will see six declarative statements, almost commands that's given to us in these verses one through six. You'll see, devote yourself to prayer. Do you see that one? That wasn't, hey, why don't you? That was a do it. Devote yourself to prayer. You notice he says, stay alert, number two. So when you devote yourself to prayer, stay alert. Number three, act wisely towards the outsiders. Number five, this is another, or number four, another command. Make the most of the time. Number five, pray for us. You go down to, to verse six, you see the sixth command. Let your speech Always be gracious. I'll tell you, a great habit, maybe not a habit so much, maybe it'll become a habit, but a great reminder for you is to go home today, write these six statements down on a three-by-five card, put them in your car, put them on your mirror, put them in your Bible, put them somewhere where you're going to see them on a regular basis and come back and go, Lord, I want to be devoted to you today. I want to be devoted to you in prayer. Is that a good prayer? I, wa I want to stay alert as to where you're working today. Is that a good prayer? Lord, help me to do this with thanksgiving. I want to act wisely towards others, to the outsiders. Can I pause here for a quick commercial? Folks, don't expect the unsaved to act like the saved. You're going to come across a lot of hurt and hurting people this week. You're going to come across some people who are just nasty. And your first response will be to give it right back to them. You be Christ. Don't expect those that are far from Christ to act like they know him. But we know him, don't we? 
we know him and we can be faithful to him in no matter what. Did you catch that next one? I said that fifth one. I said, pray for us. Who are you praying for today? I've got a legal pad down in my office with names, just name after name after name after name of people that I'm praying for. Family members who are unsaved. Many of you that I'm trying to learn your names. One of the things on my list is help me to remember names. And then let my speech be gracious. Control my tongue. Temper my attitude. Sweeten my spirit. Those are six good things, aren't they? They're all a call to action. But now watch this. Go back to verse, verse 2. Circle the word devote. Devote yourselves to what? Prayer. So you take it to the next word. You devote yourself to prayer. Well, how am I going to stay devoted to prayer? It's really simple in the text. If you want to stay consistent in your prayer life, if you want to be devoted in your prayer life, then become a thankful person. The more you grow in your thankfulness, the more consistent you will be in your prayerfulness. If you and I are inconsistent in our prayer life, most likely it's because we're inconsistent in our thanksgiving. I'll never forget I was in college and Dr. Towns, he was teaching us a class and the assignment was that we had to find a prayer closet. We had to find a, a solitary place and we had to pray for an hour. I thought, got that, that's an easy A. And he told us, he said, take your Bible with you, take a notepad with you, take a hymnal with you, don't, doesn't matter, but I want you to go pray for an hour. And man, I got in my little closet and I started praying. I will never forget this as long as I live. I had prayed some of the Psalms and I had prayed for my list. I had gone through my notepad. I was praying for everything I could think of. I think I prayed for the neighbor's cat. I prayed for everything. And I was certain I was way past the time. Matter of fact, I was getting a little bit prideful and boastful in my little prayer closet before the Lord. Isn't that crazy? I thought, well, I, I really out, outdid myself. And when I looked at the clock, I kid you not, I had been in prayer for 18 minutes. 18 minutes. Now what am I going to pray for? If you, ever, if you are ever in a, a habit of prayer and you run out of things to pray for, It's probably because you're praying about yourself and your needs and your wants more than you are praying for anyone around you. And it's probably because you and I have stopped just adoring him. You want a good project today? Go home and, go home and write down all the things that you love about the Lord. My Savior, right? Redeemer? Friend? Constant companion? The one who never leaves and never forsakes. The one that goes where I go. And we can go on down the line. My strength, my tower, my warrior. Go home and make a list. When you devote yourself to prayer, you'll do it with thanksgiving. And when you do that, you can stay alert. I'll tell you another little trick. And I don't think it bothers the Lord one little bit. Anybody else, when you pray, you get distracted? Anybody else? Oh, please tell me others in the room do this. I can be right in the heart of the middle of prayer and go, oh, I got to go get dog food. Right? Well, you know what I've done? 
I've gotten myself another little notepad. And I can be in the middle of the prayer and I go, wait a minute, Lord, dog food. All right, now I'm back to where I need to be. That's okay. That's okay. I just want to spend time with the Father. And He wants to spend time with me. Now, He says you've got to act wisely towards the outsiders and you've got to make the most of the time. Folks, I've said this several times in the 10 weeks that I've been with you here. But I believe the days are dark. I believe the sun is getting ready to set. And I believe the sun, S-O-N, is getting ready to return. The church is getting ready to be called up. As I sat yesterday and I heard this news of the war now that Israel is involved in, it tempered me. The days are short. The time is getting dark. Who do you know that's far from Christ? Do you have a brother? Do you have a sister? Do you have a mom or dad? Do you have a son, a daughter? You know what? I'm trying just to to let that play out. I I don't want to press them too hard. This says, verse 5 says, make the most of the time. Doesn't it? Is that what it says? Make the most of the time. Why would we make the most of the time? Because time's running out. And you and I are the light of the world. You and I are the city on the hill that cannot be hid. You and I are the ones that have hope and have testimony to be able to share the good news of Christ. So can I encourage you today, as Paul says, stay faithful in action. Get on the front line. Be ready to go to the front line. Faithful in the testimony of Christ. Number two, be faithful in your response. Now watch what three and four happens here. Now notice, devote yourself to prayer. You're staying alert. You got all this thanksgiving. You're acting wisely towards the outsiders so that you can make the most of the time. And then he goes, and at the exact same time, you can't stop doing any of what verse two and five says. At the exact same time, circle it, Pray for us. Pray for who? Well, this is Paul saying, pray for us. Paul, pray for me and for those that are also in prison. You'll see down in verse 18 of this chapter, Paul is writing from, from, a, from prison. He's in chains. He's got fellow uh, lovers of God who are in chains with him. So he says, while you're being devoted and you're doing it with thanksgiving, you're keeping your eyes wide open, I want you to pray for us that God may open a door to us for the word to speak of the mystery of Christ for which I am changed. Stop right there. I read this and I go, Paul, you're in jail. How many people do you really think you're going to get to talk to? Matter of fact, it's not like county jail. He's in house jail. It's just him and a Roman centurion there. And he goes, I want you to pray for us that we'll have lots of opportunities to share the gospel. And you got to think he's thinking about, about the book of Acts, don't you? When he and Silas were in the, in the jail cell, and they began to pray, and they began to sing, and they began to worship, and the earth shook, and the, the, uh, the gates fell off the, the jail cell. 
And the prison guard came in and said, what must I do to be saved? And it says that he and his whole family were saved. Paul's going, would you pray for us that we could have another moment like that? Would you pray for us that while we're in chains, while we are suffering, while we are limited, we will keep our eyes wide open to see every possible opportunity that God would give us to share the good news of the gospel of Christ. Do you pray that? Do you ever get up in the morning and go, Lord, I want you to make sure that my eyes stay wide open today, that I don't miss a chance to tell someone of your love and someone of your grace and someone of your hope and someone of your peace. Would you give me every chance today to be responsive to the people you put around me? Now look who opens the door. Pray for us that God would open the door, that God would make it available. Now, why do you think he goes in here and he goes that, that we may speak out of the mystery of hope, that's, that's the, the joy of Christ, for which I am chained. You might want to circle that last phrase, for which I am chained. And it simply means to the cause or to the one that I am committed to. To the one that I have surrendered to. Are you in chains today so surrendered to the Father that not my will be done but yours be done? That I want what you want more than what I want. That I'm willing to suffer for your sake. I'm willing to suffer for the cause of the gospel. I'm willing to suffer that my family may misunderstand me because the time is getting dark and I want to share the good news with them. I will be faithful in action and I will be faithful in response. Now catch the very last phrase of verse 4. He says, I'm enchained. I am chained, the thing I'm committed to, so that I may make it known as I should. Wouldn't it be great if that wasn't in the text? And go, okay, that's other people's jobs. That's the preacher's job. That's the hired hand that's supposed to do that. Paul says, no, 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 no. I want you to pray for us that the word will stay true, that we will take every opportunity to share the gospel because this is what I am required to do. I'm required to do it as I should. Folks, I believe some of us, and I'm, I'm guilty. I am guilty of this. But as the text would say, we've become at ease at Zion. We like this room, don't we? We like this gathering. We like this fellowship. We enjoy this time together. But are you compelled to share the gospel with anybody when you walk out those doors? Are you brokenhearted over anyone who is far from Christ right now? Are you willing to step up to the plate and go, can I ask you a question today because I love you and I'm concerned about where you're going to spend eternity? I start preaching like that and someone's going to say to me, you sound like an old Baptist preacher. I hope I sound like a sinner who's been saved by grace. Who wants to tell one beggar, it's just a beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. 
I got a minute. I got to tell you this story. You're going to love, you're going to hear this story again as long as I'm with you, but I love this story. We were in, uh, matter of fact, it was when Sue and I uh, were in New York City and we had taken 88 college students and we were riding the subways, getting from ministry place to ministry place. And back in those days, panhandlers were able to come onto the subway and they could work the bus, getting money for food, what have you. So we're all sitting there on the subway and this, this obviously homeless man comes in and he sits down beside a friend of mine named Matt. Matt and I are sitting here and he sits beside us and he's got everything he owns in a shopping cart. And it's obvious that we know this is a homeless man. But he was different because another homeless man came on at the exact same time. And as soon as the start cart, the car started to move, the subway started to move again, the second homeless man stood up and he said, I, I have no food. I have no place to sleep. I have no money. Can anybody help me? That was common. Well, the first guy with the buggy reached into his cart and pulled out a little bag of deli meat and a half a loaf of bread and gave it to the other homeless man. We got to our next station. The guy that had received the bread and the, the meat exited. This guy's still sitting here. Matt, my friend, looked over at him and said, what's your name? And he said, Stanley. He said, why did you do that? It's obvious you don't have much. Why did you give it away? And I'll never forget what he said. Because I was full. And he was hungry. Makes sense, doesn't it? Now, you want to hear the fun part of that story? My friend Matt led Stanley to the Lord on the subway. Tears rolled down this man's face. And he said, I have been homeless, I forget how many years, it was 20 years or so. He said, I've been living on the streets for 20 years and I have a mom that's been praying for me every day. And now there's all these college students and we're seeing what's happening. We call him Subway Stanley, he has just gotten saved. We didn't have cell phones in the day, so we all get off the subway together. We go to the closest payphone, we're all dropping nickels and quarters and we call mom. And she answers and he says, mom, I got saved today. We took him back and got him hooked up with Manhattan Bible Church and does best to my knowledge today, Subway Stanley is still serving the Lord at Manhattan Bible Church in downtown New York City. Why do I tell you that story? Because some of us are full, right? Some of us experience grace. We know hope. We're full, but we're unwilling to give anything out of our cart to those that are in greater need. Oh, that you and I would be like Subway Stanley that go, I'm full and they're hungry and I'm going to give what God has given to me. Okay. Faithful in action, faithful in response. Now, this part is fun for me. I really enjoyed this part of the study this week. Begin in verse 7 and let me just read all the way down to 18. We won't be here long, but I want you to see a few things. Paul says to that Tychus, our dearly beloved brother, faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. I have sent him to you for this very purpose so that you may know how we are and so that you may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother who is one of you and they will tell you about everything here. 
I had that down this morning. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings, as does Mark, that's Barnabas's cousin, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And so does Jesus, who is also called Justice. These alone are the circumcised of my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, sends your greetings. He is always wrestling for you in prayer so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. For I testify about him that he works hard for you, for those in Laodicea and those at Heropolis. Luke, the dearly loved physician, and Demas send you greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to, to Menempha and the church in her home. And after this letter has been read at your gathering, have it also read in the church at the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter of the Laodicea. And tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry you have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. Now I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains and grace be to you. I think this whole passage talks about faithfulness in action, faithfulness in response, and faithfulness in service. You've got this on your handout, but let me point out a few things as we just walk down through it. Tychius. Look how, he's, look how he is, he's identified. He's a dearly loved brother. Circle that, underline that. He's a faithful minister. He's a fellow servant. And he knows everything about Paul. So Paul sends him to the church to give the church the update on what's happening where Paul is and on the prison and on the ministry and all that is there, taking place there. But look what he says at the end of verse 8. He sends Tychius so that it will encourage the hearts of the Colossians. I just want to pause here. When you and I are faithful, it will encourage the hearts of those around us. Your faithfulness will become strength to other believers. And your weakness, your lack of faithfulness, will become weakness to other believers. It works both ways. So we see encouragement, that's a gift of service. How many of you would say you have the gift of encouragement? You're, you're a good cheerleader. Anybody? Okay, I got two. We need more. All right, three. All right, well, now we're working at it. Okay. You thought you were going to get in trouble there for a minute, didn't you? Hey, be good at writing a note. Be good at sending a text, responding with a kind word, and encouraging people along the way. Onesimus. You may be familiar with Onesimus. He's the guy that shows up in the little book of Philemon. Onesimus was a slave, ran away. Paul gets a hold of him, sends him back, and then Onesimus becomes this great faithful pastor and preacher and servant of the Lord. He says Onesimus is coming with Tychius. Look at his definition of him. He's faithful, and he's a dearly loved brother, and he's one of you. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Most, most scholars believe that it's possible Onesimus came out of Colossae so that he's a native of Colossae. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Now you've got a faithful brother, you've got a pastor, you're familiar with Paul, and he is, he's family. You all played kickball with him in the alley. You went to school with him. You know this guy. 
Restoration. Onesimus was restored. Can I just, can I just encourage you today? You can walk a lifetime away from the Lord. It takes one step to come back home. One step. One step. Onesimus returns to the Lord. There's restoration. Some of you will be very good at helping a brother or a sister who has fallen to come back and be restored to a faith walk of Christ. Try this one on friendship. Aristarchus and Mark and Justice. Look, fellow prisoner, you see that? Co-worker for the kingdom of God and a comfort. You and I are co-laborers. We work together in the kingdom of God. We can be an encouragement to one another. This is one reason why we are so committed here to connect groups. We would like to see everyone a part of a connect group. Why? Because strength upon strength. We laugh when others laugh and we weep when others weep. But we do life together. Check out in verses 12 and 13, you find Epaphras who has the responsibility of intercessory prayer. This is something that you and I are called to do. He says, Epaphras, also one of you, we're assuming out of the church of Colossae, but he's a servant of Christ and he sends you greetings. But look at his description. He is always wrestling for you in prayer. Why would he wrestle for the people of Colossae in prayer? Circle the next two words, so that you can stand mature and be fully assured. That sounds a lot like Colossians 1, verses 28 and 29, doesn't it? Him we proclaim, warning and teaching everyone that so we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's the goal. That's the prayer. Who are you helping look more like Christ? Teachers, are you helping your kids look more like Christ? Parents, grandparents, husbands, wives, are you pushing other people to look more like Christ as they go. Paul says in verse 13, I testify about this guy, that he works hard for you and for the people of Laodicea and for the people of Hierapolis. I hope our church is known as having a group of people who work hard in prayer for one another, who work hard in serving one another, who work hard in advancing the gospel together. Doesn't that sound good? That sounds like church to me. I'm almost done. Check out Luke and Demas. Luke, the dearly beloved physician, and Demas sends you greeting. And here you find loyalty. Luke just stayed loyal all the way through. Here's the problem with Demas. You later find that he's only mentioned three times in Scripture. You later find that Paul said, and Demas has deserted me because he loved the things of the world more than of the kingdom. Folks, Satan's wise, isn't he? That we can be walking strong and faithful today and we turn around and we're no longer following the Lord because we've gotten our eyes off the prize. Don't get so encouraged by some and discouraged by others. Keep this thing consistent before the Lord. Lord, I want to be faithful and I want to be consistent. I'll be intercessory. I'll be loyal. I'll work towards restoration. I'll provide friendship. But I want to do all the things that you've asked me to do. Check out hospitality. Nympha. 
He says, give greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea. And then he singles this lady out. Only time she's mentioned in the New Testament. But she has opened up her home for a house church. Now to understand that culturally, it was the wealthier people that would open up their homes for a health church. They were really the only one, open up their homes for a house church. They were the only ones that could really have a space big enough to do it. Uh, some of you are not familiar with the history of FBC, and I'm not overly familiar with you. Some of you have been around here a long time. But Brother Lance, if I get it right, FBC started as a house church. Is that right? How many of you have been here from the beginning? Anybody? I got any, anybody? These warriors. Look, house church people. Now, this is what's interesting. We, we talked to you today that we're, we're doing this historical documentation. Some folks in the church are trying to put this together. And you go, ah, why do we need that? You know what? That's church history. That lets people that come behind us understand where we've been and what God has done. This is us in this passage of Scripture. Hospitality. If FBC would not be today who she is if someone hadn't opened their home and a church got started. Anybody in Bridgeport glad that someone opened their home and we have a house church? Yeah. Then you got to have perseverance. Archippus. Man, I like this guy. I like this guy says, tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Why? So that you can accomplish it. 2 Timothy 4, 5 says, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions and do the work of an evangelist so that you may make full proof of your ministry. I pray that's you. You'll be watchful in everything. You endure the difficulty. You tell of the good news. And you fulfill the call that God's put on your life. Hey, Archippus, he says, pay attention. I got work for you. And I can go through the list, can I? I could go one by one by one and go pay attention. God's got work for you. Randy, pay attention. God's got work for you. And all we go. And then Paul says, I pray you will enjoy, enjoy grace. He says, I, Paul, I'm writing this greeting with my very own hand. Now remember my chains. Notice again, he's not saying remember my chains have gone all. Oh, poor Paul. We should send him a cookie. That's not what this is about. Remember my chains that I am fully devoted and passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Remember my chains that I am willing to sacrifice all for the one who sacrificed all for me. Remember my chains because I love the one who loves me most and loves me best. And then he says, grace be with you. And everything we've just studied in the last four chapters would never be able to accomplish, be accomplished in our life if God doesn't provide the grace for it to happen. Man, what a book, right? What a book that puts all the focus on Christ and strengthens you and I to live out the testimony on this earth so that he gets the glory and we get the good of it.
So here's how you're going to apply the book of Colossians, I believe. Learn how to live and learn how to share the transforming power of Jesus Christ. If you've been redeemed today, if you've been saved today, if you know Christ as your Savior today, then you have hope. You have light, that which cannot be hid, that which darkness cannot overpower. You have truth, and you can be gracious. Oh, to God that you would do it this week, that you would just, just step out there and tell someone about Jesus and go, I'm, what if I say the wrong thing? Greater is he that is in you. Just be faithful. We were in our prayer time this morning at 9 o'clock, of which, by the way, we're averaging six or seven on, in there on Sunday mornings. And I was sitting there praying this morning, and I thought, I'm going to put out a plea. Let's fill the room up next Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, downstairs. Get up a little bit earlier. Go to bed a little bit earlier on Saturday night. Show up here at church with us next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And let's pray together as a church before we gather in this room. Okay? Some of you can do that. Just ask the Lord, is that something you'd have me to do? I think I know the answer, but give it a shot, all right? Today... If you've never asked Christ into your heart, you don't know him as your Lord and your Savior. You don't have the confidence that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. You can. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and nobody looking around, I'm going to invite you to do business with the Father. The one that loves you most and the one that loves you best. The one that knows you best. And yet he's provided eternal salvation for you. If you're here today and go, Pastor, you know what? I'm not sure about this. I know there's a void in my life. Would you just pray for me as I try to understand who God is and what my need is? That's all I'm asking right now. Anybody in the room? You're just searching who God is today. You're looking for answers. Yeah. Anybody in the room today that goes, you know, I'm, I know I know that I need a Savior. I cannot do this on my own. And I would like to be saved today. Anybody? Nobody else is looking around. Just let me know. Anybody in the room today that goes, I've been walking with the Lord for a while. He's always been faithful. Would you pray for me today, Pastor, that I will be faithful and renew your journey today? Anybody in the room today? Lord, make me faithful this week all over the room. Father, what you've done in the past, do again. Restore and redeem. Strengthen and sustain. We love you today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.